This is the Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. Today is, it's a real honor for me. I have a friend, but one of my true heroes in my life sitting to my side. It's here. a real honor for me, Ed. Oh. Thanks for letting me be a part of this. Thank you, John, so much. This is one of the few interviews I've even been a little bit nervous for. So. Oh, hey, listen, you're just dealing with an old man here. An old so man. We're just going to talk about life and enjoy ourselves. This old man has uh, sold 30 million books in his life, plus. He's well, it's because I'm old. Yeah. Hey, give enough time. You, you can't sell 30 million if you're a young you can do man. It quickly. You, you understand? You've got to be old to do those things. You also can't sell 30 million books unless they're great. And so he <laughs> sold 30 million books, everybody. This is somebody who's trained leaders on is every country Every country. World? Every yes. country in the world. Yeah. He's won numerous awards. He's, he's, he is known as the expert on leadership in the business world. There's multiple publications that have named him as such. And he's got a new book coming out called Leader Shift that we're going to talk about today yeah. as well. But um, I just cannot tell you what a thrill it is for me to have you here today, John. So thank you. Thank you. And Ed, it's my honor. Thank you. And it's, what a great joy to, for us to talk and enjoy each other and talk about leadership and all the stuff that we yeah. love and adding value to people yeah. and have so many people join us. And, yeah. and our, our goal, obviously, is to add value to you. So hang with us and hopefully we'll give you some good nuggets and principles that can really help you uh, be a better person and a better leader and add value to others. No question, we're going to do that. Do you mind, because I, I, I've followed you, people ask me all the time, obviously in my space, you know, what books to read. And I can tell you, I, I have people I recommend first their scriptures. Second book I always recommend everybody is Napoleon Hill, yeah. Think and Grow Think Rich. And grow rich yeah. Think and Grow Rich. And then I say anything by John Maxwell. And that's honestly my answer. If you go to any of my social media posts, it's just, that's a fact. I'm a, not worthy. <laughs> it's just, a, it's an absolute oh, fact. Is it 80, 80, so many books? I don't know, so much of them. I mean, but, but again, you can't write that many books unless you're old. Unless you're you, old. You'll understand. It's, it all gets, it, it's tied in with old. But there's this thing with publishers where they don't want you to keep writing them unless they sell them, unless yeah, they're they really good. Yeah, they want you to sell so, a few. So you're pretty good at that. So, But I always recommend you. And, Thank you. Uh, and I've, I've, uh, your books have shaped my philosophies about leadership. They validated things I hoped were true about being a leader and I've just learned so much from you so I know everybody's gonna do that today but I want to know about you because I don't know the whole background so obviously you were a pastor of a church prior to getting into this space Skyline Church yes right? in uh, San Diego California. I was a pastor for 25 years everybody they're 25 years yeah. pastor this particular church we we're talking by the way before the interview three pastors in, in 70 years is that not incredible yeah, it's yeah. great church and I followed I was the second one I followed the founding pastor and loved it and and lo because I love to help people yeah but I was with my publisher at a meeting and uh, they said something that just uh, changed my life they said John we've been looking at the people who buy your books hmm. and uh, and two-thirds of your books are bought by the business community hmm. and and I was totally shocked at I, I honestly hmm. had no clue because I, I was really as a pastor kind of writing more to the church community and, and the religious sure. community. And, and, uh, and I said, you're kidding me. They said, no. They said, you've become very popular in the business community because your leadership principles cross right over. And so the business people are going in there and they're grabbing your books to get the principles out so they can lead better. Mm. And, and literally, but now I'm a person of faith. Yes. So at that moment, Ed, I really felt God just say to me, and this is where you're gonna spend the rest of your wow. life, wow. in the business community. Mm. And, uh, and so I, I made, literally that day, made preparations to resign my congregation. We were in a major building program, so it took me a couple years to do it correctly and sure. make sure that, uh, that, that they would have success after I left. But, but literally, uh, 
that was the day that kind of changed me and had me, I, I went over to this entirely new area. That's interesting. So, so there's a calling on your heart, right? Definitely. And it's, there are people that are listening to this, because I get messages from them all the time, that are in something similar, meaning they're, they're in a career that maybe was their first dream. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this was their dream. They thought this is what they wanted yeah. to do. They've gone down the road to a certain extent, but they're feeling this tug on their heart to maybe chase their their passion or yeah. their mission. What would you say to those people? That had to be a difficult decision. You had all these people relying on you. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, first of all, if you're very successful, whatever you leave, you're leaving something that's very successful. And, sure. and what I found a long time ago, it's very easy to leave something that's bad. <laughs> right. It's kind of like, get out of yeah, town, thank you know you. what I mean? Right, right. Where's the exit? Right. It's, but, but when it comes to something successful, you know, people say, wow, do you, I mean, I've got to give this up. I mean, this yeah. is really good for me. This is, this is really working. In fact, I tell people all the time they need to do an autopsy on success. Hmm. Because, because the greatest detriment of tomorrow's success is today's success. Because I, uh, the tendency is for me when I'm successful, Ed, to, to hold on to it and say, yes. okay, okay, let's not change anything. We've got the formula. We got it down. We're making some good money. We're helping some people. So let's, let's, you know, let's kind of box it and kind of mm. set it apart and, and let's keep it just as it is. And, of course, that's a disaster. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book Leaderships mm. is because I, I, wanted to help, I wanted to help people understand that, that there's no such thing as leading people the same way forever that you have to keep learning and growing and, 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 and shifting and, and mm. making those shifts in, in your life. Mm. But uh, for me, when I made this transition into the, uh, into the business world, uh, what I discovered was, as you were talking a moment ago, the, you know, you feel the tug on your heart, the, yeah. the kind of like, wow, I started here and, and now I'm over here. Here's what I believe. I believe that as you follow your dream, it, begets, it gets bigger. Mm. And when it gets bigger, there are, there are more things that you're learning about it that you didn't know when you started. That's true. In the beginning, the dream is just, you know, it's just very little, and, yeah. and you can kind of see it. And yeah. So you go that way, but then it begins, then it begins to expand. Yes. And, and, and for me, it's a calling. And let me just say this. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to be over-spiritual, but somebody asked me the other day what a calling was, and I, I like kind of my yeah. new definition for calling. Okay. Okay? In fact, in my, um, in my book, Leaderships, I, one of my chapters is shifting from career to calling, and, and, and how you know how you know perfect. You know, and how do I how do I make that shift? But I think I think a calling is a uh, is a purpose with a divine touch. Oh, that's wonderful! <laughs> you know, I love that. Isn't that good? Yes, I, I'm not me that right. That sounds terrible, but it, it is good. I'm still it on it. Still, it is it's good. But it, it's 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 you've got this purpose, but yeah. there's a difference thing, and that, that there's a higher touch. Uh, right. I, I was doing an interview on we in our John Maxwell company. We have a simulcast called L2L that goes out yes. to hundreds of sites, and Tyler Perry and I were doing an interview together, and he wrote a book, and I love the title of his book, and that is Higher Is Waiting. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I, I love that. And, and I think that a calling is, is you've got this purpose, but all of a sudden, higher is waiting. There's a mm. divine touch on it until all of a sudden you say, okay, that's, this is more than just my purpose. Mm. This is our purpose, our purpose, God's purpose, and my purpose that's together. Beautiful. And you, talk, you want to talk about a partnership. That's a good partnership. That's man. the ultimate partnership. That's the yeah. ultimate partnership. Oh, really I, I love that. Yeah. See, I already, okay, I'm done. I already, that's what I need. <laughs> Did you grow up? I'm just curious. We're going to navigate in and out of different topics. Did you grow up in your faith? Was that something you were raised with in your household? Yeah, yeah. My, my, my father was a pastor. Your dad was a pastor, So, too. yeah, okay. I grew up in a beautiful home. In fact, my father's still alive. Okay. He'll be uh, in just, in fact, a couple of days, he'll be 97. That's incredible. And, and, um, that bodes well for you, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it really does. It bodes really, <laughs> really, really well for me. And, and, but I, I was very 
fortunate. You know, mm -hmm. when it comes to parents, I won the lottery. I just, mm -hmm. you know, many people, you know, we don't choose our parents. Right. But my parents, uh, my mother unconditionally loved me, mm. and my father had this, and still has this incredible drive and so, entrepreneurship and this mm. this uh, kind of largeness about him that mm. uh, constantly expands his world. So as his world was expanding, we were growing up in it and my world expanded. Yeah. And so I grew up in a leadership culture. Sure. I didn't even know what it was as a kid. But, it was your but, environment. Yeah, yeah, it was just this it's what, what it is. It's what it is. It's but, exactly and right. I And as we shift a little bit, but I, it is interesting to me because I have people all the time telling me that there's these things that hold them back from chasing that calling that you've described. And I think one of them is, I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong about that, but you grew up in, in the church. Your dad was a pastor. You become one. I'm sure the family was very proud of that, right? Yeah. You'd achieved so much. Yeah. I, I imagine that adds to the difficulty that, uh, that your family was so proud of something you had already been accomplishing. I, I find people all the time say that one of the things that holds them back is, well, my, my family doesn't support what I'm yeah. about to go do. Yeah. Do you yeah. see that too? All, people? all the time. And I'm glad you brought it up. I wrote a book. Oh, I don't know, maybe eight, ten years ago, called "Put Your Dream to the Test." Okay, and and it's it's just it, it's just a good solid book, and mm -hmm. in it, it the, the kind of the thesis of that book was that the more valid reasons you have to accomplish a dream, the higher the odds are that you will. Oh, wow. Now that's a powerful, that's powerful. thesis. So I mean that's there's no cotton candy here there's right. there's no hype stuff here yes and, and so I basically looked at what are the valid reasons to achieve a dream and, and there were ten of them okay and and so I, I formed it in in, uh, in in a way of questions but but the first one the first question is is your dream really your dream Ooh. and that's where we started because can I tell you something if your dream isn't really your dream. Ain't going to work. Mm -hmm. if it, and, 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 and I tell people Gosh. in the book, hey, the first dream we have isn't our dream. Yes. It's our parents' dream. So My mom and dad, when I was seven, they thought I was going to be a musician. And so mm. I'd taken piano lessons from the seven years old to about 13. I wasn't any good in It wasn't piano. your giftedness. It wasn't my gift. But they're so proud. They go to recitals and clap. It, it, you see, I'm living their dream. I'm, yes. I'm playing the piano. I can't play the piano. I'm not very good at it. I'm not gifted. But it doesn't matter. I'm living their dream. Yeah. So what I tell people all the time is we start off our life living someone else's dream, probably mm. our parents. So what happens is a lot of people as adults, they never switch. So true. And so they're still living mm. someone else's dream. And, and, and again, it's, you know, it's it, like a biblical analogy. Mm. It's, it's King, or David, before he was king, putting on King Saul's armor. Yes. yes and, you know, yes. It's, not, it's not fitting and he's staggering yes. around there. Well, I know a lot of people, they're putting on someone else's armor oh and, and they just aren't going to achieve because it's not who they are. It's, yeah. not, it's not their dream. Yeah, that's, by the way, everybody listening, just go back about one and a half minutes and listen to that again, please, because that is so absolutely golden true. So, yeah. so that was a difficult decision for you, I assume. It, it, right? was, it was a difficult decision for me because all I ever knew mm -hmm. was pastoring. So You're let's right. start there. Yeah. It wasn't a difficult decision for me as far as knowing where I was going to go. Yep. So I think a lot of times we have clarity on where we should go, but there's a lot of emotion that holds us back. Sure. And, and what, what was holding me back was the fact that this is what I've known, this is what I studied for, this is what my degrees are, yeah. I'm a theologue. And so when I made that transition, Ed, I had three very uphill, challenging, difficult years because I had to, I had to take the principles I taught, mm 
and I had to address them entirely different. Sure. I mean, hey, I can't go in the business community and say, now let's turn in our Bibles. Right. You know, right. And by the way, the worship team, if they'll come on right now, <laughs> do we have the choir? <laughs> you, know, I, right. you know, I don't have any of that stuff. Sure. So now I've got to take, now here's what's mm. beautiful. Mm. The leadership principles that I teach and write in books, they are all, have a, they all have a biblical foundation. Yes, yes. And, but I tell anybody, I said, in case that bothers you, mm. you tell me what your leadership principles are, right. and I'll tell you where the scripture is. <laughs> I love because it, right. it's all, you know, the greatest right. leadership book ever written was the Bible. Bible. Yeah. And in fact, I have a, I, one, of the, one of my great, my most wonderful favorite projects was that they asked me to uh, take the Bible and put my leadership lessons in it. And, 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 I, and so it's the, it's, it's, the, it's the Maxwell Leadership Bible. Saw that. I and have I, it. I I'm have telling it. you, Ed, yeah. I have probably 800 lessons in that now. Yes. And so you just read a little scripture, and here's another lesson that you can apply into your life. But the reason I can do that is because all the leadership principles I teach, they're all biblically based, based and, and have a foundation mm -hmm. for it. So now I'm going to a new crowd. So the principles, I got those. But now I have to illustrate them different, I, and, and I have very little business experience. So what I did, and this is, I think this is what will be really, hopefully this will be helpful to you. Whenever you're making a transition that's kind of out of your, uh, out of your strength zone, or, or certainly brand new like this was, I ask a lot of questions and I listened. Hmm. And so I just sit down with people like you that are highly yeah. successful in business, and I say, okay, let me ask you some questions. And I'd go, and I'd ask you questions, I'd learn from you, and I'd take a lot of notes, hmm. and I'd pull away and say, okay, now this is how Ed did it, and this is how, what Ed thinks, and oh, I think I could apply this there. Yeah. And I spent three years humbling myself and being hmm. very teachable and saying, hmm. I just want to learn, I just want to learn. Hmm. Because I, I knew that I had the leadership principles. Hmm. But principles that are good, without application or connection, are principles that aren't going to work for anybody. So as a communicator, I know that, you know, so a lot of people, they say, well, I've got this great idea. doesn't matter if you can't communicate the great idea. It isn't going to, it, there's, isn't going to go anywhere. So I knew that now I had to connect. I had to communicate. And so I'm asking a lot of questions, and it took me about three years to get my rhythm. But I got it. Yeah, obviously. And, and today, uh, you know, today I love, love, love the secular business world because it gives me a chance to uh, to add value to them it gives me a chance at times to be salt and light in their lives and yeah it's 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 a, it's a really good thing amazing who thinks a guy leaving that church ends up becoming the most prolific successful business leadership author of all time it, it makes, makes no it's, sense it's pretty incredible <laughs> it, it i think what you said sense. is really true though because i think first off that dream starts a certain size and grows the other thing i, I talked about this with yesterday somebody i think you'll agree with me on this also the the path to getting there will reveal itself as you go i think oftentimes people think i have to know every single step in order to get to this ultimate vision come on and it doesn't work that way right you have to get it revealed to you it only works that way in a book yeah right because because what i tell you see here what, what's this i'm responsible ed to move on what i see today mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of people they're wanting to hold and not move because they don't see three days five days you know two years out whatever and, and what i'm saying is it's, it's kind of like the lights of a, of, of a car. Hmm. If, if I go to the parking lot at night, turn on the lights and say, oh my gosh, I can't go anywhere. I, I don't see my house. Right. Well, no, no, no. Get in the car and start moving in the direction you're supposed to move it. And guess what? You only get about 300 feet of light. 
Right. You, you, you don't get so you, you don't get seven miles so of light. Good. You don't get to see your house. You you got to utilize the light oh you got gosh. so that you can get to where you want to go. Oh. And so many people they're <laughs> so uncomfortable good. with that with that light yes. because it's there's well it's not long enough. And what's around the corner? And and, mm. and the whole issue is you don't you know what you don't know what's around the corner until you go around the corner. Oh gosh, that's so good. And so you just <laughs> so you have to be very comfortable, which I am. You have to be very comfortable with traveling, not having all the answers. So true. But can yeah. I tell you something? The yeah. only way you get all the answers is to go all the way through. Absolutely. You don't get all the answers on this side. Oh, and so that. if I've got to have it lined up and straight and right and mm. I feel comfortable with it, then I'll never be the leader. And, and I, 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 here, I really believe this, Ed. I believe a lot of leaders fall short because they're unwilling to take what they know now and act on it. And so, therefore, they never get to know what they could know. Oh, my gosh. Is I that, believe that. <laughs> that is an absolute fact. Yeah. That, is the, that is the number one thing when I'm coaching people is their unwillingness to act now on yeah. what they know so that what they could know would be revealed to them. Absolutely. That's so wonderful. Yeah, yeah. All right. You're blowing my mind. So, I would be, people will be so upset with me. If I have the expert in the world on leadership in front of me, we don't talk a little bit about that exact specific topic on leadership. So, right. so. I've talked on it one other time, so let's is give, that it, right? oh, wow. let's give it a shot and see you, if I can. You'll be okay. Let's see if I can do it the second time. <laughs> you'll be okay. may have, you may have to encourage me a little I, bit I'll here, but we'll, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Lift me up a little bit. I'll do you? what I can, brother. <laughs> so um, I think the first, the beginning place is, I think most people don't see themselves as a leader. Just that in and of itself, I think most people don't see themselves that way, that it's some mystical role in life. What would you say to somebody who says, I just don't know that I am a leader or could be a leader? Well, I, everybody's a leader because leadership is influence. Hmm. That's what it is. And that has been, that has, that definition of leadership has served me so well for so many years. Yeah. It's, it's, in fact, in my book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, hmm. the, there's the Great law that, book. you know, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So yeah. when somebody says they're not a leader, I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you influence anybody? And, and almost always, almost, I've had a couple maybe, <laughs> right. I'm not sure, but almost always I'll say, well, yeah, I mean, you have children, okay, okay, you got your family, you, got, you know, so yes, now, it may be a little influence, it may be eight, ten people, it may not be, but I look at them and say, okay, if you influence eight or ten people, you are a leader. See, what people think is they've got to have some kind of a title or position to be a leader, and so they say, well, I, you know, I don't have a leadership position, so I'm not a leader. Well, you and I both know the position doesn't make you a leader anyway. Right. It gives you a chance to practice leadership, but it doesn't make you a leader. So what I tell people is this, leadership is influence. So how do I increase my influence? Because, that's, because if, I, if I influence 10 and, and next month I influence 20, mm -hmm. wow, I've doubled my leadership influence. Mm -hmm. So how, how do I do that? And, and, and it's a very simple answer. To increase your influence, you have to intentionally add value to people. Mm -hmm. This is where it all begins. So Ed, Let's say that I want to have increased influence with you. Well, my first question isn't, boy, I hope that it'll follow me. The first question I is, is how can I serve you? What, what can I do to add value to you? So I'm going to ask you, you know, how can I serve you? What can I do to help you? In fact, what's interesting, before we had, we had this interview, I mean, we're, I, it was cracking me up. Right. We were kind of trying to outserve each other. <laughs> That's true. Right? Well, what can I do for you? Right. Well, what can I do for you? That's right. I was just thinking and, and, and it was, right. it was a beautiful thing right. because all we were really doing is I'm trying to help you. Correct. And, and here's what I know. If I sincerely add value to you, my influence will increase with wow. you. Yeah. That's a fact. That's so fact. Well, we don't need to make leadership complicated. Mm. Just go out and intentionally add value to people mm. and your influence pool 
begins to expand. Mm, and, so and, and, and after a while, I, I, I'm becoming quite a leader. So leadership isn't title, position. It's, it, it's all about adding value and, 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 and serving and making a difference in other people's lives. Mm. In order to do that, a lot of people are going to build an organization, build a team, they'll be in some sort of an environment like that. Nobody wins alone, it seems like, in life. That's a fact. You tell, I was listening to the story you were telling, and I'd like you to share it about, you know, there's the analogy of getting people in the right seats on the bus, but you have this wonderful story about when you played basketball. Yeah. About at the end of practice, your coach would do something very scrimmage. Unique. This scrimmage. is absolutely illustrates yeah. this point so beautifully. You beautiful, don't mind uh, saying that? No, it's a beautiful point. He would he would he would have the first team, the better players, five players, play the second team, and the only thing that he would do is he would put we who were on the first team out of position. Yeah. And he always stuck me. I was I was a number two guard, mm -hmm. but he always stuck me under the basket guarding a guy named Doug Roth that was six foot eight. Okay. <laughs> And, and, and he, you know, and he'd put maybe our center out there with the point guard. Mm -hmm. Well, he's put his opposition, and they sit out. Stay in your position, and play, play to twenty. Mm -hmm. Well, what would happen is the first team would always lose, mm -hmm. and he'd sit us back down and say, "Now, did you lose because of talent? No. Did you lose? No, no. You lost for one reason. You were out of position." Mm -hmm. And remember this, whenever you're out of position, you're going to lose. Well, what they did is, I mean, I'm, I'm guarding a six-foot-eight guy. They just right. throw a high pass to him. <laughs> He's just dropping that belt right. over me the whole time. Sure. Well, you can't, and so it was a great teaching for me yes. that no matter how gifted you are, no matter how committed you are, if you're out of position, you're not going to be successful. That's why everybody needs to find their sweet spot. Yeah. You know, what, what do I really do well? Yes. And, and, and on that, there's a point that I really want to make, and that is, I tell people, if you want to be high, highly successful, you've got to get into what I call the top 5%. Okay. So you've got 100 people. You've got 100 people here in, your, in whatever yeah. chosen profession you've got. You've got to be in the top 5. Yes. You've got to get there. And, and you can only get to the top 5 if you're in your sweet spot. Yeah. You, you can't get to the top 5 working on weaknesses. You can't get to the top, top 5 if I'm not in the area of my giftedness. So you've got to find out what you're good at because that'll give you, if, then if you're committed and if you've got a good strategy and, and all this other, you've got a good team around you, then that'll allow you to get in that top five. And once you're in that top 5%, you're in good shape. You're, you're mm. going to do very well. And I tell, it, it doesn't matter what your profession is, you've got to get in the top 5%. And you can only get in the top 5% if you're in your position, if you're in your sweet spot, if, if you're in your gift. Is there any technique, strategy, thought you have in order to identify what those, those sweet spots are for you? Oh, yeah, trial and error. I mean, I, you know, okay. if, uh, when I started, okay, let's go to my, I started off as a pastor. Yeah. And, and so, I, and I had a counseling degree. So now I'm counseling people. Well, it takes me about six months to realize I'm not any good at that. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I, you know I, I'm not. It's not my gift. I, right. I mean, I, they're coming in, and I'm listening to them, and then I say, well, okay, it's obvious. Here's your issue. Here's three things. And I write on a piece of paper and, you know, hand it to them and say, now, go be healed. Do you know what I mean? Go be healed. And the next month they'd come back in, and I'd say, now, okay, what are we in here for? <laughs> well, we, well, I've got this problem. What's the problem? I heard it last month. You know what I'm saying? And, well, did you do the three things? No, I didn't do the three things. Oh, you go back. Well, it wore me out. I wore them out. I wasn't any good. But but mm. but that's what I was trained in. Mm. But but it wasn't giving me the results. And mm. and one day, I mean, it took me really, it really took me uh, three years. One day, I realized that when you counsel people, you work on their weaknesses, and when you equip people, you work on their strengths. Oh, good. Oh. And the moment I went from <laughs> working on weaknesses to working on strengths, I became I I was. 
I was a rock star with, mm. with strings because yeah. you show me your strength and I'm going to give you a game plan and let's get going because I'm a natural equipper, not a natural counselor. Yes. Nothing wrong with counseling, it's just not my gift. You with me? And, 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 and what did they teach me in college? They taught me how to administrate. So I'm in my, you know, I've got my little country church. I'm doing administration. Well, there's no return there. I mean, my gosh. And, and one day I'm waking up and I'm saying, wait a minute, this isn't working. I got to go get me some volunteers to do this administration so I can get back. And so it's trial and error. Mm. And, and, and sometimes I think we go to people like, I mean, Ed, if I'm trying to find out my strengths and you and I know each other really well, I may come to you and say, okay, well, talk to me. You know, what do I do well? Yes. You know, sometimes we don't understand our own strengths and it takes somebody that really is a good friend that knows us well that can say, well, I think you're really good in this area, yes. but you got to find them. Yes. And, and, and the good news is everybody has gifts. That's right. Everybody. So yeah. there's not such thing as a person, well, you know, I just have yes. no gifts and so yes. I'm left out. Everybody has them. You just got to go find them. Yep. But once you find them, that's where, and by the way, that's where you put all of your time in personal growth and development. Mm. Because the, the goal isn't just to learn a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I know a whole bunch of people, they, they're very knowledgeable, yep. but they're not very successful. That's right. So, so what you got to do is you got to say, I'm going to stay in, in the area of my strengths. Yes. And, and, yep. and, and so when I, at 27, when I decided I was going to speak and, and, and maybe write some books, I asked myself a very simple question. What are the areas that, that people need to excel in to be successful? Mm. And I came up with four areas. Okay. Relationships. I mean, if you can't get along with people, hello. Right. Equipping. If you if you can't develop a team, mm -hmm. you're, you you may have personal success, but you're not going to have multiple. You're not going to compound success because you don't have people helping you. you. An attitude of overcoming adversity and difficulty, the getting back up, not quitting, that whole process, and leadership, the ability to influence people. Man. And 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 at 27, I said. Those are the four things I'm going to spend my life. And, and if you look at my books, almost all of them are in relationships, equipment, true. attitude, and leadership. It's true. And, and I, I, I found what I call, I found the sweet spot for people to success. Man. And, I, and so I wrote all my books in, in, in those areas. I've read, I'm going to tell you something. I've read uh, of the majority of your books. Um, Thank and you. there was a window of time where I read every single one as they were coming out, yes. and now I'm back in that cycle yeah. again with you. And for me, the last couple minutes were really valuable because I've, I've, I'm always, I'm obviously acknowledged like you are as a good leader. And, sure. And uh, but in my own mind, I've wondered whether I am sometimes because I'm not a great counselor either. <laughs> and, and, and I mean that, like when people are looking for counsel from me. Yeah. And but what I am, I, I do feel like I'm really good at identifying giftedness in people. Yes. I see giftedness. I think I'm good at equipping people. And so leaders come in different shapes, sizes, and forms. That was just really a good validation, just for me. And I think it would be for certain people listening to this because I think also sometimes people that are really good at executing themselves potentially maybe struggle with counseling people on to do things. But they're great at they could be great at equipping. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, and what I found is successful people are really good at finding their gifts, getting in their gift zone, yeah. and then just really staying there and becoming successful. Yeah, I think they're happier too. Oh yes, but successful leaders, there's the difference. Successful leaders are, have the ability of what you just described, Ed, mm -hmm. of finding the strength, sweet spot for other people and getting them in that sweet spot. Yeah. And that's where the return is. That's right. I spent my life, after I discovered what my strengths were, now I'm just helping other people find their strengths yes. because there's nothing more empowering to a person than to find out that they are good at something yeah. and then being equipped and taught how to how to do it well. That's, what, that's honestly what you just described is what I enjoy doing most yeah. of my life. That's and what why I you're a leader. Well, I hope very I'm good working leader. on it. Thank you. I, I'd like. I just want you to know something. Like the whole interview, everything we're doing today, that was valuable for me because I've struggled even myself. Like, why am I? 
that's an element of my ability with people that's just limited. I'm not great at counseling people, and, but I am good at equipping them. So it's yeah. just a distinction that I really appreciate. Yeah. One of the things about teams, and then I want to talk about the new book, but okay. one thing I want to talk about on, on building teams and having teams is I have probably talked about the law of the catalyst oh, yeah. in, in my life in business that you've talked about in various different books. Yes. Um, both, both identifying them in an organization so that they can grow and also wanting to be identified as one, as yes. someone coming through an organization. Yes. Could you just yes. talk about, most people listening to this are familiar with your work, but obviously there are people that aren't as well. So what's the, what is that law, of the, what is a catalyst in an organization? Why is it important? Why do you want to be one? Well, Ed, that's out of my book, The 17 Laws of Teamwork. And basically the, that chapter is about the fact that good leaders have the ability to make things happen. And so when people look at me and they say, okay, John, I'm looking for maybe a potential leader. What's the first thing I look for? The first thing I say for them to look for is look for somebody that makes things happen. Yes. Because you, and, yes. but there's a whole bunch of people, they're wondering what happened. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and they're not the one you want to recruit. Right. So I say, go find, go find, because here's what I discovered. If you can make things happen for yourself, you now have the credibility to make things happen for other people. Whoa. If, 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 if I'm not successful, there is no appeal for you to follow me. I, I tell people all the time, success is the credibility of a leader to lead. Hmm. Because you think about it, no one ever got, you know, nobody ever said, oh my gosh, you know, I, okay, I got it. I'm, I'm financially in deep weeds. Oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to call my buddy Joe. He's been bankrupt three times. You're right, know, right, hey, right, Joe, right. How, how, man? No, no, you, you don't follow Joe. Joe's right. been bankrupt three times. You got to go find somebody that's successful with money. So you true. So I'm going to get a divorce. Oh my gosh, my well, I'm going to call Jack. He's been divorced four times. <laughs> right. you know, Jack, help me with my marriage. You, you see, people, when they need help, the first thing they think about is who is better than me that I can follow. And so the credibility of a leader as far as to lead is that they're successful. I mean, so if true. I'm successful, I say, hey, I'd want to join my team. Well, yeah. of course. I mean, if LeBron James was in the room right now, right. LeBron says, we're going to play a little basketball. Right. And, and, and LeBron says, you know, I'll pick and then John will pick. Well, when LeBron's there, you've you're got your hand up and say, LeBron, pick me because right. you're going to win if you get LeBron. Right. And every time I'm getting ready to pick, you're diving behind the chair. It's you're, a fact. You, you don't want to be on my team. Yeah. You're going to lose on my team. Yeah. And so what I tell people all the time is that the you, first thing you've got to do is you've got to, be, you've got to get good yourself. If you're... Yeah. It, why would I ever think that I should lead somebody if I'm not any good at it? So true. Okay, but once I'm good and I've found my success, now I begin to say, okay, how do I compound this? Well, mm -hmm. I compound this by looking at Ed and saying, okay, Ed, let me help you find your sweet spot mm -hmm. and let's get you on this same road mm -hmm. because now all of a sudden, this is how I, this is how I really build a, a team. And so the, the law of the catalyst is all about making things happen. Yeah. And, and that's what I look for. I mean, Jack Welch, his phrase was, that, you know, who's going to get out of the pile? Yeah. You know, he'd say in, when he's a General Electric, you know, there's a big pile of people in this company. Well, who's going to get out of the pile? Well, yes. well somebody's going to climb out. Uh, Mark Cole is my, the CEO. I have six companies, yeah. and Mark Cole's the CEO of them. And, yeah. and the reason that he is yeah. is because he got out of the pile. Yes. He got out of the pile. He started, he started in the stock room. Yes. And he just, did he really? Yeah, Mark did? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Really? Wow. And I just took him out last week. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, no, but, uh, That's awesome. <laughs> Mark's here, by Mark's the way, and he's here, cracking everybody. up over Mark's this. Here with us. But, but, but he got out of the pile. Yes. In other words, he, everywhere he was, 
he, he succeeded. Yes. And everywhere he went, he won. Yes. And after a while, you just sit there and say, okay, okay, yeah. I think I'll let him run this thing yeah. because he, he, he knows how to do it. And so uh, for all of us, bef I, I say before you go lead somebody else, just kind of get good yourself. So right, you're a mutual hero of mine, friend of yours that we were talking about off camera, Art Williams. Oh and, my. And how, how important is leadership, right? And Art would used to say, and still probably does, say, you want to show me any church, Boy Scout troop, football team, company, I'm going to show you something being run by a leader. That's right. And, and in every great company, the leaders, the leaders are great at identifying catalysts. I mean, and when you find them, pay them well, keep them because they're priceless when you have them. Somebody, I'm sure Mark's over there nodding his head that you should even pay them even better. So, yeah. so but I, I, wanted to, I, wanted, I wanted to say something to you about your books that I think are just, they're so, everybody, they're such great reads. They're easy to read. They're memorable. He, yeah. he makes points and then backs them up with incredible stories and anecdotes and quotes. And so it's the other thing about your books. They're, they're incredibly, um, I would say, the information is profound, unique, and deep, yet very easy. To, it's, you equip people so well with the way you write it that it's transferable. That's right. The information is so transferable. You do that better than anybody of anybody's work that I read. I enjoy reading every single book. The problem with your books oftentimes is when you highlight them, you would almost be better off in John's books, highlighting the parts that you don't want to go back and remember, <laughs> because it's literally just covered in highlighter when you highlight his books. I'm serious. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. It's, it's, it's an absolute fact. It's like I always get tired of highlighting. It's like every single part of every single page it would seem to be. Well, so. well I'm a communicator, so let's start here. You know, an educator takes something simple and makes it complicated. Hmm. I mean, think of all, you know, think of all my college, all this stuff. I mean, in, in an educational world, if you're not confused, they're not happy. So true. I mean, they, they're par <laughs> hey, their sentences are a paragraph long. I mean, by the time I get down to the paragraph, I, I forgot what the first part of the sentence was. <laughs> I got to go back and read the paragraph. Instead of short sentences, yeah. you know, I, I'm dealing with a paragraph. So, mm -hmm. so, but a communicator is exactly opposite. They take something complicated and make mm -hmm. it simple. Wow. And so here's, when I write a book or when I speak, doesn't matter, my, my first objective is to keep it so simple mm -hmm. that when I say it, it immediately resonates with people. Wow. In fact, anytime you have to explain what you said, you didn't say it right the first time. Hmm. So I, I, my, my hmm. joke is I put the cookies on the lower shelf so everybody can have some. Hmm. And so simple as far as understanding, hmm. but deep because there's a difference, sure. It, but deep when it comes to profound results that mm. it'll make in your life. It's an so, absolute fact. What you're so I mean, one of the principles I teach is very simple. I just hold my arm up in the air and I say, "Everything worthwhile is uphill." <laughs> it, everything, <laughs> everything. There's nothing. There's nothing in your life so worthwhile that's not uphill. It's all, it's all uphill. Well, everybody gets it. I mean, it's all uphill. That's so good. You know, and here's the problem: we get uphill hot hopes, but we have downhill habits. <laughs> okay, we're in trouble. You, you know, got a downhill habit, you're not going uphill. So got to change that habit. So everything that I teach, I teach with a, with, a, with a real passion to keep it simple, but keep it very practical yeah. and, and, and make sure that the principle is life-changing. Yes. If you could do those three things, and th then you, you really got it going. And when mm. I wrote the book, Leaderships, I've been sitting on that book probably for a good 12 years. Have you really? Wow. In fact, uh, uh, a lady in our, on, on our team named Erin, who does a lot of content for me, yes. she shared with me, she said, John, um, you really need to get that book out. And, and I, I kind of put it on the shelf and really wasn't too excited about getting it out because I thought, ah, I don't know, this may be a little too simple. 
But when I started writing, I thought this is going to be life changing. And, mm -hmm. and now that I'm looking at the book coming out, I'm so excited because, because here's what happens. We start leading in a way that gives us some success. And immediately we get in, 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 into this pattern. Mm. And what we don't understand is that leadership, if, if leadership is about anything, it's about adjusting and being flexible. Mm. And if you want to be a manager, then nail it, get it mm. straight, do it the same way every time. Mm. That, that's, what, that's, that's, that's management. Mm. But when it comes to leadership, uh, in, in fact, if you go back into the 1980s, Gosh, there were no leadership books in, in bookstores. Right. They were all management books. That's right. Because you were trying to manage your company, your business. And then things began to change so fast, people were saying, this management stuff doesn't work because this baby isn't staying the same. I, yes. I turned around and it moved on me. Man. And, and, and so I've got to get in front of it. Hmm. And, and so leadership is all about being in front. Well, if you're in front, one of the first things you know is if you're in front, you don't know everything. Yes. So, so the issue is not knowing everything. The issue is when you know something, adjusting as quickly as you possibly can. Hmm. Because, because if we don't adjust quickly, we miss it. Yes. Because it's a timing thing. Especially we, we, today. Oh, well, yeah. I, I was getting ready to speak for a company recently, and their theme was fast forward, and we were doing a pre-call, and they asked me, they said, what's fast forward do, mean to you? I said, well, fast means faster. As you look in the future, if anybody thinks that the future is going to be a little bit slower, or I love these people say, well, I'm just, I'm, honest to God, I'm just waiting for things to slow down. <laughs> You know what? I, I would suggest dying. I, that's what I, I, you know, I. That's probably about the only way it's going to slow down for you. It's so fast is faster. But let me tell you something. Forward is shorter. When I started off as a leader, we had ten-year long-range plans, and five-year was a mid-range. A short-range plan when I started off. Now I'm talking about in the dark mm -hmm. ages. Now it was a two-year plan. Yeah. Well, a two-year plan now—that's a ridiculous long range. I mean, that's that's a little, that kind of makes you suck air. You say, I, I think that's a little bit long. Yes. So, so, so what I know is, fast is faster and forward shorter. Ooh, very good. So let me tell you something: the only people that are going to win are people that can make leader shifts mm. and adjust quickly. And so I wrote the book. I I talk about eleven leaderships yes. that I've made in my lifetime. Yes. And people ask me all the time, they'll say, John, how have you stayed, I'm 71, how have you stayed on top of your game? And I say, it's very simple. It's not the same game. <laughs> Gorgeous. Yeah, okay, baseball is called baseball. <sighs> but it's not the same game. So true. I mean, you don't go to the baseball game the second day and say, oh my gosh, now wait a minute, that leadoff hitter got a single yesterday. Oh, he struck out. Oh my Lord. You see, it maybe had the same title, yeah, but it isn't the same game. Yes, and 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 you don't lead today's game on yesterday's results. No kidding. Babe Ruth awesome. said one day, he said, "Yesterday's home run won't win today's game." <laughs> right. And I'll tell you what, yesterday's thinking won't win today's game either. Mm. So I talked about leaderships that you need to make in your life to keep you on the edge and, and to keep you uh, adjustable and flexible, so that you can really so that you could really lead your people well. Because here's what I know. Here's what I know. People don't like change. You're right. So when the leader is resistant to change, Gosh. he's going to get into this leadership gravity pool mm -hmm. 
or she is that's going to go down every time. Because I can tell you, you're not going to have the people behind you saying, "Come on, let's make some more changes. Let's mm -hmm. let's let's make some more adjustments." Mm -hmm. No, no. They're remember they're wanting to hold on to what they have. And your job as a leader is to say, "There's something better if you'll just if you just let this go. There's something Gosh. better for you here tomorrow." Mm -hmm. And that's the, the you know, and, and that's what the good the good leaders do. You uh, see, I think the timing for this book, based on what you described, is so requisite. I was in a, involved in, you know, obviously like you are, multiple different companies. I was in a meeting last week and one of the folks in that company that was leading it, whom I like a great deal, but five different times in the meeting that person said in the meeting, well, the way we've always done it is. And I thought, this is the beginning of the death of that organization. The way we've always done it is. I, I, the way we've always done it is isn't necessarily what we should be doing now. It's interesting. You take a look at a guy like Belichick. Yeah. Coach Belichick in the NFL, right? Great example. Great guy. And people say, well, why have the coaches that have left him maybe not had the success that he's had? And I think one of the reasons that happens, I work with a lot of the guys in, 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 in that league, I think oftentimes when a coach leaves someone like that, they're constantly saying, well, what Coach Belichick always did is. Meanwhile, Coach Belichick's evolving all the time, and you've got this snapshot of the year or two you were with him. And so I think that's absolutely true in almost every business, that leaders take snapshots of both their own company or maybe even the person they worked with in oh, the yeah. past that was a great leader. Yeah. yeah, Malcolm Gladwell makes a great statement on that, and, he's, and he basically his statement is that if you are comfortable today with what you were comfortable with yesterday, you're already in trouble. Man, that and, and I believe I believe that to be. Do you think that's part of you, John? I mean, I was thinking about you driving over here. We have several mutual friends, and I mean, right when I met you, you, you were the most energized, uh, intense, confident, kind person that I recall ever meeting, right? I'm sure I've met, I mean, you are 71 years old, yet yeah. it seems like you're on your A game oh, right I'm now. A plus game, thank you. A plus, and, a plus. I, and I know even how difficult it was even for us just to get a conversation today. And so you embody these things. One of the things about that I think makes a, something, a leader great too is they're congruent. So meaning the things you're writing about are the things you're doing. Oh, and that's so, beautiful. And you're just, you're, you're incredible. So I want to make sure everyone has a chance to get this book. So the book's out in a couple weeks, everybody. It comes out February 5th, but they can pre-order it right now on Amazon.com. On Amazon.com. Absolutely. And so you're going to want to make sure that you do that, everybody, now. You want to be the first people to get this book. I obviously cannot wait for this book. I want the different organizations I'm involved with to read this as well. I'm telling you, listen, everyone. Not that John needs this. My full, complete, entire endorsement of the things this man teaches and writes, you have from me. And so please go get this. It's going to serve you. And when we say leader, by the way, a lot of you ladies that are listening to this that are entrepreneurs, you know, your number one leadership job is dad or mom. And so when we're talking about the law of the catalyst, ask yourself, who's the catalyst in your family? Who's oh, the one shoot. changing your family true? Who's the one leading your family? Who's the one setting the culture in your family? As a parent, how great are you at identifying giftedness in your children and bringing that out of them? All of these principles apply not just in the business space or just in the faith space. Can we talk about a couple chapters in the book, though? Do you mind sure. just covering a couple You're things? You're the boss. Well, we're limited on time, but I want to max you out here a little bit. So, because I watch this. One of the chapters in the book, and we're not going to give the, the entire book away, just a, couple of the, just a couple thoughts on a couple of the chapters. Sure. Pleasing people to challenging people, the relational shift. So many leaders are afraid to or unwilling to challenge people, I think, oftentimes. Oh, Perhaps sure. that's because they haven't built the relationship with them that they need to. I'm not sure why that is, but can you just speak to, what do you mean by pleasing people to challenging well, that people? Was, Ed, uh, that was one of my most difficult shifts. Hmm. Uh, because I grew up in a very wonderful home, relationally strong. Hmm. And, and so I kind of had this idealistic idea about people that they all got along. 
And so when I started pastoring, <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it didn't take long. It's kind of like, whoa, they're not getting along, and the, you know, and, and they're supposed sure. to be people of faith. And right. okay, right. And, and, and so here I am in an in an environment which basically grew up with with very little contention and mm -hmm. and, and strife, and, and so I'm having it. And so I, my, my first thought is, well, I'm, I'm not leading well. My gosh, if I was leading better, they would all be happy. And, and so my goal for the first, really for the, about the first three years was to make everybody happy. So mm -hmm. I'd go around and if you weren't happy, I'd run over and say, okay, okay, what do I need to make you happy? And you, of course, you've got a long list. So I'm over there, I'm trying to fulfill that list. I'm going over there and I what do you have to make you happy. And, and, and you know, after a period of time, I began to realize this is not leadership. You know, I, 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 you know, my goal isn't to make people happy. I'm not a clown. I'm a leader. My goal is to help people. Mm. And all of a sudden, I realized when you help people, they're not always happy. Mm. And so my responsibility is to help you, not satisfy you. Mm. And, and, and so I, when I was writing the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, I was signing books and, and, and the 21 Laws. And a guy brought the book up to be signed. And so I'm signing it. He said, I disagree with one of your laws. And, and I said, oh, that's okay. And I signed it and handed it back to him. And he just stood there. Looked at him and said, you, I don't think you hear me. He said, I disagree with one of your laws. And I said, okay, well, that's okay. <laughs> and then I realized that it wasn't okay with him, that it was okay, okay with, with you, right? <laughs> that he disagrees with one of his laws. And, and that's what I looked at him and said, I didn't write the book to make you happy. I wrote the book to help you. It's oh, like, a, like a person says, I disagree with the law of gravity. I, well, it's okay. You know, <laughs> right. Go to a four-story building, jump off, you'll hey, buy into the law. Right? I mean, the laws don't ask you if you like them. The laws sure. say these are the laws. You've got to learn mm -hmm. them. And, and, and so I, it was a tough adjustment for me to to go from trying to make everybody happy to understanding that there's some loneliness in leadership and there are times you make decisions that people are, are not going to be pleased with, but that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's leadership and, and that's what we're supposed to I can't to wait be. for people to read that chapter because I do think that that is a, oh, it's a, a huge, a huge block for thing for oh, people. Yeah. So yeah. Well, again, everybody, this is Leader Shifts. It's yeah. out February 5th. You need to get your hands on this and I don't want to make, I don't want to make sure that we give away the books. I just want to ask you one more question about one thing in the book, just because I need to know at least 5% of the chapter from you, okay? Just, and then we'll, we'll get, I, I want to know what you meant by train leaders to transformational leaders. Just, just what that means, and then they can obviously read the book to get all the details, but what's a train leader compared to a transformational leader? Well, the, that, now you're, you're in the core of my calling, because I have an organization, a nonprofit organization called Equip. And uh, so it's designed to train leaders. And mm -hmm. so we, in the, especially in the faith community, uh, made a commitment to, st we start off with a, a, what we call a million leader mandate. Let's see if we can train a million leaders in the world. We accomplished that and, and, and again, as the vision, as you go, the vision expands. And I said, now that we trained a million leaders, I wonder if we could train a leader in every country of the world. Man. And, and so we focused on, and in 19 years from the starting this organization, in the 19th year, we had trained five million leaders in every country of the world. We are the largest leadership training organization in the world. Wow. And it was so fulfilling and so satisfying. I mean, and so the board, we got together. I mean, we're, you know, obviously we're having celebrations and parties and we had we hit this. And so we're in a board meeting and it was kind of like, wow, look what we did, yeah. look what we did. And all of a sudden there was a restlessness within me. Hmm. And, and, and I said, you know what? I think there's a level higher than what we've done. And they're all looking at me, what do you mean? We trained all these leaders. And, and, and we went into, I bet, about a three-hour discussion that day with my board because a lot of them said, boy, let's just let's end it. Let's, we, we just scored. We just won the Super Bowl. 
And here you're kind of wanting to dive back in. And, and what I told him was, I said, well, the good news is we've trained leaders. So leaders know what to do. But just because you know how to lead doesn't mean you're changing lives. And I said, I think there's a higher level of leadership than trained leaders, and that's transformed leaders. And, and so we've got to figure this out. And, and honestly, even my key people, they looked at me and said, boy, I don't think we understand this transformation. What's transformation? And what I told them was, I can't explain it, but when you see it, you'll know it. Oh, my goodness. And so we started going in and, and developing the identity, the characteristics yes. of a transformational leader. And, 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 and then we started understanding that if you're going to trans, if people are going to be transformed, it's got to be in small groups like roundtables, not in massive audiences. And we trained in auditoriums and yes. massive audiences. And people are taking good notes and they, they're learning it. But transformation happens when you and I are talking and you're encouraging me and challenging me and Certainly. I'm asking questions and we're having that give and take. So we, we said, let's go see if we can transform countries. And we started with Guatemala and uh, we do, uh, we, 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 there's just three things to think about. We start top down. We don't even go into country unless the president asks us. Mm -hmm. So we come in by the invitation of the president. We have 22 presidents of countries who have now asked us to come in and do transformation. So I mean, the line's getting long because oh things gosh. are, so top down, because influence filters down, it doesn't filter up. Hmm. So, so I mean, we go, you know, we top government, top business, top education, top religion, top media, top arts. We go and we get permission. So it's top down, but then transformation also. It, it, it's it goes it goes small round table to big mass movements don't begin with a mass. Mm -hmm. They begin with a few people. Hmm. So it goes, you know, round table, small, big, and then we teach values, hmm. because what changes people's lives are values which is inside out. It's inside out, small, big, top down. And we've got this strategy, so Ed, and we've trained a half a million people in Guatemala now. Oh my gosh. We're, oh, and we're going for the tipping point. 10% of a nation we're wanting to be in round tables because the, you know that's the tipping point sure. Malcolm Gladwell talks about. And, and, and we're in Paraguay now, and, we're, and, and, and we are in Costa Rica, and we, you know, I just came back from Kenya. I went to Saudi Arabia this year oh and, and, and by the invitations of the leaders you know, of, of the country. And so it's, it's, so it's so exciting. And so in, <laughs> in leaderships, I talk about transformation. And, and it's just one chapter, but it's a, it was a shift I made, and it was a great shift. And, uh, but probably every book I write from now on, I'll have something transformation because I'm, we're seeing such life change, and I'm living and watching this, that it's kind of like it's contagious, and I'm wanting to share it with others because I think that once a leader understands transformation, they go to a whole new level yeah. of their leadership. And yeah. now, now people aren't just following you because you're going to help them be successful. They're following you because their life is being changed. Oh my gosh. And that's a whole different game. You, you, you everybody, I, I know you're hearing this and we've taken so much of your time, but th this man's, you, you're just a treasure. I mean, there's just, there's one, there's one of him, everybody. You, there's nobody like this. That, uh, there's no one that has this depth of understanding, this depth of faith, this depth of character. The ability to communicate is, I, I, when we were driving over, I told him, I said, just the minute he opens his mouth, it's just beautiful. When you hear his the, the deep voice and his cadence. And it's, I, was, I just feel like I, I love being in your presence because I feel like I'm with somebody who's chasing the calling of their life, that's, that's fulfilling their purpose. Yeah. And I just think you're a treasure. And I, I want people to get leaderships obviously at, in Amazon February 5th, but I also want them experiencing you beyond that. And so sure. other places they can find you are social media, got sure. a couple million people. Is it John Maxwell on all of the social media platforms? We'll put it up on the screen here. It's uh, johnmaxwell.com. 
They can go to that. And, and you know, I have a coaching company. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, we started a coaching company seven years ago. We've got 20, over 20,000 coaches in 152 countries now. And they can find that through johnmaxwell.com? Or johnmaxwellteam.com, yeah. Okay, they, John Maxwell they, Team and yeah. also Instagram, Twitter, sure. all of the platforms. Follow John, guys. You want to be getting, wouldn't you love to be hearing this sort of stuff on a very regular basis? And so not only should you be involved with his books, but you should be listening. A couple more questions before we go. Personal yeah. ones, though, if that's okay with sure. you. One of the things I've admired about you all of my life, obviously, is that I'm proud when a man of faith is willing to be bold about it, but also just watching successful men of faith. But I'm gonna ask you, if you don't mind answering. No. If you, I'm curious personally, um, and there are people listening to this that are at this, this place in their life too, have you ever struggled with your faith? Have you ever doubted your faith? You know, I've struggled with my relationship with God. Hmm. I've never struggled with my faith. Okay. Uh, and, and that's not because I'm a highly wonderful spiritual person. I am an automatic faith trusting person. Okay. I, I don't have a lot of cynicism, skepticism in my life that kind of makes me kind of look, in fact, probably my strength is my weakness. I'm very trusting with people. And, and, it, and so the good news is everybody feels very embraced. And the bad news is that I, I can certainly and have had times when that wasn't, a, that wasn't the, the best thing. So uh, with my faith, as far as my faith in God, that, that's never, but, but my relationship I have. Okay. And, 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 I, it's, and it's always over, sinners are always around one thing. See, I believe that the key to success for a person of faith is obedience. Hmm. So if somebody said, John, how can I be, have a successful walk with God? I would just say obedience. Hmm. Because there's, that's how we get into the rhythm of a relationship, hmm. is obedience. And there have been times I've been disobedient. Okay. And, and what I tell people is when you're in the rhythm of a relationship with God in obedience, it's very natural. It, you, I don't get up and say, oh, I'm really obedient today. And oh my gosh, you know, woo. Yeah. A, I, I'm just in that rhythm. Sure. But what I tell people all the time is if you're in a rhythm of obedience and then you do something wrong, it's, it, 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 it just stands up, it waves a flag. It, it's, it's like, you may not know you're always obedient, but you will know when you're disobedient. Hmm. And, and so, and there have been times when I put myself over God and, and put my own desires over God or my own will or my own way over God. Hmm. And, um, and you know, I feel kind of comfortable with that because David did that, you know. And, right. and, and, and what did God say about David? He's a man after my own heart. Yes. And, and why did he say that? He said that, not because David was a perfect man, right. but it was because every time God began to deal with him, David's great desire was to get back over to that rhythm of obedience again with God. I mean, he didn't, he didn't resist him. It, mm -hmm. he, he strayed, but he came back, so, oh my gosh, I've got, I, I gotta get back over in that rhythm. And I think what God looks for in, in, in us is not perfection, but I think he does look for us to have a heart to serve him and to love seek him, him too. And, and to seek him. Does that make sense? It does. That's a wonderful answer. And I appreciate yeah. you being willing to answer it oh, too, because yeah. I think sometimes people observe somebody like you, maybe me once in a while, and they think that we never have a struggle like oh, that or that oh. we live perfectly all the time. And I think that vulnerability I, helps so many people. I get very uncomfortable with the leadership pedestal. Yeah. Very, right. very uncomfortable because mm -hmm. people want to put me there all the time because, sure. you know, they look up and they kind of admire what you've done. And I had a great mentor a great mentor that helped me uh, many, many years ago that really centered me. And, and here's what he said, his name was Fred Smith, and he said, John, in fact, I will never forget, he- Fred Smith, Fred Smith? No, no, not, okay. the, not okay. the Express guy, okay. another okay. Fred Smith, okay. uh, out of Dallas, uh, who is also a very successful corporate CEO. Okay. But, but he, um, 
He had been to, you know, I'm just a kid, and mm -hmm. I've got the 10th largest church in America, and I'm, what, 31 or 32. Mm -hmm. And he took me out to a long lunch on Sunday after church, and he said, John, great service, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And he said, I really need to teach you something about giftedness. And it, what he told me, Ed, was he said, your gifts are greater than you. Mm -hmm. and, and he said, you have these amazing gifts, and, and so people, they'll, they're attracted to what you do, and they'll, they'll say, John, you're amazing. He said, when people tell you you're amazing, always understand that they're confused. You're not amazing at all. He says, you're human, you're a sinner, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're prone to mess up and, and, mm -hmm. and, and make screw-ups. He said, there's nothing amazing about you, John. He said, what they really are seeing is your giftedness. Yes. And, and so he said, John, when people want to tell you how wonderful you are, he said, you're not wonderful. You're just a human sinner mm -hmm. like everyone else. There's nothing that sets you apart from anyone else mm -hmm. except your giftedness. Mm -hmm. So he said, when they're on their feet and giving you a standing ovation, smile, wave to them, but understand, they're applauding so your gifts. They're not applauding. And I'm telling you, Ed, Mm. That day I walked out of the Brigantine restaurant in San Diego, California, mm. and I said, I got that. Yeah, I got I that. Got that. <laughs> and so what does that do? So when all this good stuff happens to me, yeah. it goes right back to God because yeah. I didn't give myself the gift. He gave it to me. He is the total source of everything that's good about me, and I'm the total source of everything <laughs> right. that's screwed, screwed up about, about me. me. You that's know? so beautiful. And, 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 I, and, and I don't get those two confused at all. Wonderful. You follow what I'm saying? Wonderful. So when I'm in a mess up, I just look at myself because I've got the blame. But mm -hmm. when, when the good stuff happens to me, it's, it's him. And that centered me. Yes. And mm -hmm. I, I, I can tell you today that I'm very appreciative when people, you know, John, but when they say all those things, I'm walking off the stage, I'm saying to me, saying to God, the only reason they're standing is because you gave me these gifts. And by the way, he can take them from me anytime he wants to. Right, right. And so therefore, I want to make sure that I always I'm grateful for that gift because again, a gift could be given, but a gift could be taken away. Too. That's so beautiful. One more question. Yes, sir. Last one. Can I just tell you something though? Yeah. It's so good to have a hero of mine and somebody that's been a role model of mine and exceed my expectations as a man. And so in this short time we've had, it just feels really good for me. Yeah, you know, I hope, I, hope, I hope that someday people feel that way, the way I feel about you. Well, because you've, I've, I've very been, kind. I've watched, we've spoken on the same, obviously, agendas a couple of different times. Sure. I've read your stuff, but I've looked up to you and you exceed my expectations. So I'm really grateful Well, this, grateful is, the, this is the beginning of a, of a, of, of a long, beautiful relationship. Yeah. I feel that way. Yeah, yeah no, no, this, really is, this is kind of like the, the, the catalyst for us to now Wonderful. spend some time together. Very grateful. I greatly admire you. Thank you. And I'm grateful, very grateful for, the t for you letting me be with you today. Oh, our audience is most grateful, and so am I, so thank you. Last question. Um, I want to ask it on behalf, because we both started out. Let's, let's help people today, and obviously you've done that in uh, many, many folds over. But there's somebody, there's people watching this, they say, look, I'd like to start to transform my life. Yeah. You know, I need, there's transformational leaders, but I need to transform my life. I want to take a step towards being happier, being more successful. And 
they had a minute with John Maxwell. They ran into you in a coffee shop. I said, Mr. Maxwell, I've got a question for you. Yeah. What would your advice be to me about just transforming my life? What would be the step you would take, the thought I should have, the action maybe I should take? Your answer to them would be Yeah, what? well, in fact, I'm going to talk to them right sure. now. Being a person of faith, the first thing I would share with you is a relationship with God, okay? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a relationship with God, you're my friend. Love you as much as someone that sure. does. So please understand that. I'm not trying to convert you. It's just that when you find something that really is beautiful, you want to share it with everybody. Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, I remember when I became a person of faith, the, my, the verse that grabbed me the most is the verse that says, if, if a person is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. Mm -hmm. and, and I did. I, mm -hmm. I became a new person again mm -hmm. because of him. Now, let's skip that, okay? If you're not a person of faith, just act like you never heard it, okay? <laughs> let's go to the real thing. I would sit down at the table with you and I'd say, if you really want to be transformed, you have to live an intentional life. Mm -hmm. This is so simple, I don't want you to miss it. Most people don't lead their life, they accept their life. And when you accept your life, you are living on things that are not worthy of your time and effort and energy. And uh, you heard me say in a moment, everything worthwhile is uphill. The reason I want you to understand that is, to go uphill, you have to be intentional. Nobody ever went uphill by accident. You've never read a book on accidental achievements. You have to be intentional with what you do and who you are. And so I would just say to you, find your strengths, become very intentional, and, 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 and commit your life every day to, to it's all uphill. It's all uphill. And listen, Ed's very successful. He's, I mean, he's got great businesses, he's made a lot of money. Can I tell you something? It's still uphill for him. See, the great mistake we make is we think, I'm going to go out and make enough money, and, and there's a day when I'll just, I can relax and I can rest, and everything's going to be easy. Can I tell you something? The day that you have that day, you know, one of your children, you know, gets in an accident. You got, problems will never, ever leave you. Issues, obstacles, difficulties, they're always going to surround you. So you never get to that place where you've got it made. You're not supposed to got it made. You're supposed to add value to people, and it's all uphill. Oh, my gosh. So the moment I understand that, then what happens is I commit myself to it, and then it becomes a beautiful uphill climbing life. Because one thing that's beautiful about going uphill is the scenery is really good. So you've got to be intentional with it. So that's what I would say to them. Be, be intentional. Start today. And, and, here's what's, and here's the difference. Good intentions are overrated. Gosh. I know so many people, well, I, I'm going to do that. Yes, I, I think that's a good idea. I think I'm going to do that. So good, good, good intentions are the most, it's the most overrated phrase in the world. Mm. You've got to go from good intentions to good actions. Nothing happens until you've got good actions, and you won't have good actions until you're intentional with your life. Oh. My name's John, and I'm your friend, <laughs> and I'm yours. I'm so grateful you're my friend, yeah. and now you've made millions more friends that are yeah, so grateful for you. that connection with you. So thank you, thank you so much, so, brother. I mean, honestly. I, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And uh, everybody, I know that you're grateful too. Please do a few things I'm going to ask you. Number one, I'd like you to go get John's book because it's going to help you. He doesn't need to sell another book out of the... 30 million he sold. He wants to serve you and help you. So please go get leaderships. Also, follow John on social media. You already follow me or you wouldn't be watching this. But I want to ask you to please refer the podcast to different people. Subscribe, leave a review, help it move up the rankings. And just remember, every day on Instagram, I run the max out two-minute drill. 
And what that means is when I make a post on my main feed, everybody makes a comment within the first two minutes. You go into a daily drawing, we pick a winner every day. Some of them win my book, they could win John's book, coaching calls with me, Max Out Gear, you name it. It's just to keep you engaged in the Max Out universe and in the community. So make sure you're making comments on my posts and staying engaged and connected with me. John, thank you so much for today. It's been my pleasure. Exceeded my expectations. God bless you, everybody, and Max Out. This is the Ed Milet Show.